you'll just have to bear with me because I got to do what God says. And God says, talk about his word. And it's because in his word is where we find everything that we need for our lives, everything for us to grow in God. And as we grow in God, as we find things in God's word and not only do, uh, hear them, but apply them, actually do them, that's when our lives are going to change. They're going to get better. And for those of you who um, are in maybe, you know, the same situations that we've found ourselves in, where you're saying, you know what, life doesn't seem fun. And life doesn't seem like it's getting any better. It might not get any better because it's not been fun yet. It's going to get fun. It's like you just keep on keeping on. The word says, too, it says, don't be weary in doing the right thing. Don't be weary in doing well. Don't be weary in applying God's word because in due season, at just the right time, in due season, you are going to reap if you don't quit. And it also says that the race isn't to, we're all in this race, life is a race. And I'm going to beat all of you, except for baby Carol, because she's, like, really competitive. But it says that the, the race doesn't go to the swift or to the strong. It goes to those who endure to the end. But I have good news for you. It's not just enduring. God wants us to be overcomers, to be the head only and not the tail, to be above and not beneath the circumstances. So I just want to encourage you in this, in John 8, 31 and 32, and then I want to invite you, come tonight, come on Sunday nights, and hear the word, hear how to apply the word so it can start working its miracle power in your life. Amen? Okay, John 8, 31 32 says this. It says, if, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And then comes the other part. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And another translation says, the truth will make you free. And a lot of times we take that scripture and we say it separately. We'll say, you know, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, there's an if that comes with that. If you continue in God's word, then he is able to make those things happen for you. So God is a good God, amen? And God wants good things for us. So let's continue in his word. And again, I just really want to compel you. Come tonight, hear the word. And whatever you hear on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesdays, whenever you come, when we begin small groups, don't just hear it, but apply it and do it. Amen? Amen. Good. Thank you. That's really good. Uh, we'll let you know, Trish will be teaching again tonight. She'll be teaching this week. I had a few of my deacons last week said, wow, she's really smart. She's smarter than you. And I said, well, yeah, she is. She really is. And, it, and us being married just shows you that God still does miracles. Amen? <laughs> that he could bring, you know, beauty and the beast together. And if I hear anybody call her a beast, I'm going to be very upset with you because that's just not nice. Amen? Bless my heart. Eh? <laughs> let's get you, if you've got your Bibles, let's lift them up this morning. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. Every word in it is true. Every word is true. Today, Today, I'll be taught God's Word. God's word. It's, His truth, it's His truth transforming, transforming every, part of my life, every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. Be in, same. Jesus name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, this is true. Amen. It is true. It is a very, very true thing. And 
I've got to tell you, this week, um, I've been enjoying these messages. God's giving me these, what I call a one-off message. They're not taught in a series. And, and so I just have been getting up during the week saying, all right, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to teach Sunday? And I want to tell you what happened to me this week. I had, was so excited, I actually was able to sit down with Trish and Bonnie and start talking about writing an illustrated sermon. And this Sunday, we were going to do an illustrated sermon for you. I was so excited. But we had a lot go on this week. I was at three different hospital visits and all these different things. And we ended up not having enough time to put the illustrated sermon together this week. So, for those of you that don't know, I spend a lot of time preparing. I really like to be prepared. Friday afternoon, I started working on the message. Friday afternoon. Usually I'm done by Wednesday, Thursday at the latest, usually. And so this was very unusual for me. But here's what I've come to learn is sometimes that happens because God wants to redirect what I'm preparing. And I'm kind of learning to get excited about that a little bit. I don't like to live that way, okay? I don't like to live where it's what I consider a last-minute message. But what I'm learning is that sometimes God wants to redirect that for you. So here's what I believe. This message today, God is saying, look, Chris, I know this is the plan you had, but I'm going to redirect you because somebody, I want to speak to some of my kids today about this topic. So that's very exciting to me. So as we get ready to do that today, I want you to to really expect God to speak to your heart. And and here's something that you need to learn, okay? As, As believers, here's something you need to learn. You don't need to come to church expecting to observe, Okay, I don't want you to act like this is a football game and I'm the quarterback, okay? And you are watching me and you're putting up ratings on how I did or whatever. This isn't Dancing with the Stars, okay? You know, though that would be awesome. Hey, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. But, but what this is is really where we're all together and we're participating in what's going on. And I want you to expect that God's going to speak to you today. So I want you to say this. Say, I expect God to speak to me me. today. Today. Do you believe that? Then you're going to get something out of this message. Amen? So here's the the title of the sermon today. It's called Surviving or Thriving. Am I just surviving or am I thriving in life? And uh, let let me ask you this. Have you ever asked somebody in your life, man, how are things going? How are you doing? And their response went something like this. Man, I am just squeaking by. Or man, I am just barely making it. Man, you know, we are just getting by by the skin of our teeth. Have you ever heard, you know, ever heard anybody say that? Or maybe that was you. Has that ever been you? You know, you wake up and go, man, I I don't know how we're making it. I've had people say that before. I don't even know how we're making it. And sometimes, even as Christians, we go through these times where we don't know if we're just surviving or if we're thriving. And many of us choose to just make it. I just want to make it through one more day. Just trying to get through the day. And here's what I've learned. That is not what God intends for us. That is not God's intention for our life. He did not create us just to survive. The Bible tells us that we are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors. And so if you find yourself today being a person that you're just hoping you wake up in the morning, then you're not living at the potential that God's called you to. So this message may be for you. Maybe you know somebody that they're just every day. You see them, they look like they've been drugged, drugged through hell backwards and beat through with buzzard guts. Have you ever met anybody like that? <laughs> That's the old Texas thing. Boy, that boy looks like he was drugged through hell backwards and beat with buzzard guts. 
That doesn't sound nice, does it? That, that was free, by the way. That's not in your notes. You can write that down if you want to use that one. <laughs> so here's the question that I have for you today. Are things where you want them to be in your life? Is your life where you want it to be? Normally in life, we have two areas that fight with each other. And here's where our story begins. There's two areas in your life that are in competition with each other. And those areas are expectations versus reality. Everybody say expectations versus reality. Okay, so check this out. This is how this works. I'm going to give you some simple examples, then we'll go a little deeper. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you ordered a Sprite or a 7-Up? And they bring it out to you, and it's beautiful, and it's crystal clear, and you take a big swig of it, and it's water. Have you ever done that? I'll tell you what happened to me one time. When I was in college, I used to work on the weekends and park cars. We'd go to a big restaurant up in Dallas. I was at North Texas, and we'd drive into Dallas, all of us, and go work at this really nice restaurant. By the way, don't ever give a 21-year-old a Corvette, please. I mean, in a parking lot. You know, I could see these guys sometimes. I, they'd, I'd be running up, and this guy would turn around and hand me the keys to a $55,000, 400-horsepower sports car and go, take care of it. And I'm like, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> you can go 60 miles an hour in a very short period of time. It's, it's amazing what you can do in some of those sports cars. But I'll never forget this. It still marked me. One night, we've been working, and guys, I don't know how much we would run. But there was, this parking lot was one of the double level ones. And so you'd park down at the bottom and have to run up the hill to get back. And, I mean, it was crazy. And I remember one night they, they would come out and they would always give us water or whatever. And I ordered Sprite. They said, what do you want to drink? I said, man, I love a Sprite. So they bring me out this big styrofoam glass with, with Sprite in it. And, and I took a big slug and it was nothing but soda water. The Sprite machine had broken. So all that was in there was pure soda water. And I went, you know how that looked? of something's not right, and, I, you know, you spew it all over everybody, baptize the whole group. I mean, it was, it was awesome. But what happened is my expectation was different than my reality. My expectation was different from my reality. And the bottom line was I was let down by what my expectation and reality were. Maybe some of you, when you got ready to get married, you had all these visions of what marriage was going to be like. How many of you grew up watching Leave it to Beaver? <laughs> Did you think, guys, that that's what marriage was supposed to be like? You know, you come home, and there's your wife in the little dress. and ah, You know, you come in, and, and I don't know what the story. The, the guy's in there watching TV with his feet up, smoking his pipe, and she brings him the newspaper and everything. If you had that vision of what marriage is going to be like, would you be disappointed? <laughs> I mean, not me. I mean, everybody else, you know, I... Mine exceeded all my expectations, but I hear other people don't have that, you know. But, but the reality is you have this image of what marriage is going to be. You know, or maybe, especially ladies, you have this plan for this, this wedding ceremony. How many of you ladies really planned out your wedding ceremony? Now, I have heard of this, and I, I honestly have not seen it, but there are some girls growing up that their whole life they plan out what their marriage is going to be like. And the, here's how the guys think about the marriage ceremony. Tell me when to be there, what to wear, and what to say. Right, fellas? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Because most of the time, you know, I get ready to do the marriage, and I say, look, guy, you don't have to remember anything. I'm going to tell you everything to say. <laughs> and he's like, thank you. <laughs> and, and yet the girls, most of the time, they, they know what color dresses they want, taffeta, whatever, and, and how they want everything decorated. They know all this stuff. 
I mean, and guys, we don't think that way. But how many times have you been in a wedding ceremony and it didn't turn out the way they thought? I'll never forget, funniest wedding I was ever at, uh, they had me sing, and, and the, there was a balcony, and so I was up in the balcony with the sound man, and I sang from up in the balcony, and there was a little boy that was the ring bearer. I guess he was four years old, and y'all, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That little kid came in, and, and he ran around the stage the whole wedding. His mom was one of the bridesmaids, and she would try to reach out and grab him, and he'd take off. He finally ended up just sit, they left him alone. He just ended up sitting on the front row twiddling his thumbs. It was hilarious. But my thought was, I'm sure the expectation of the bride did not include this young kid ruining her wedding because it was not what she wanted to remember, amen? It wasn't what she thought. What about having kids? How many parents do I have in the room? All right, remember the first baby and you're all doing names and you're so excited? I can tell you honestly, I had never changed one diaper in my life until Taylor was born. Never had. No, no practice. No, I mean, I had no idea. And here's this little bundle of joy, you know, and, and I'm so excited, and here I am, and, oh, we have a little messy messy, you know. And, my, and the first thing was, this thing smells bad, you know. Should we send this back? Because I don't think they're supposed to smell like this, you know, and, and, and I'll... <laughs> And she's just, you know, wiggling, and which I didn't understand the whole problem. But, and so I remember trying to undo the diaper, th- and oh, you know, I mean, there's this, wow. How could that happen with something that cute? And you're like, wow. And I'll never forget that. Matter of fact, just a minute. <laughs> I mean, I remember that. I was not trained for this. Okay, I was not trained. When I was going through army stuff, they never trained me to change a diaper. I was not prepared. And, and so here, here you're having to learn to adjust. So the reality of having children, what my expectation was, was way different than the reality. I remember the 4 o'clock in the morning getting up to feed the baby things. You know, anybody remember that stuff? It's different. doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different than what we expect. Let me tell you something. When your expectations do not meet your reality, it can put you into a tailspin. Matter of fact, it can put you in survival mode. Sometimes you can just end up existing because your world is not turning out like you expected it to. So today, if that's you, if you find yourself right now, day in and day out, you're just trying to get through, turn your ears on today. God wants to speak to you. So so look at your notes there. And the first thing that we're going to talk about of the difference between surviving and thriving and and how we can get to where we're just in survival mode. These are the things that keep you just in survival mode. So your first blank there is unchecked habits. Unchecked habits. Now, we learn habits by being in our environment. We are all a product of our environment, amen? You're the way you are because of how you grew up. And so whatever environment you're in is going to dictate the kind of person you are. The reason we always say, and I say this to teenagers, but it's the same for adults. I don't have to know you very well, but if I see who you're hanging out with, I can tell where your life's going to end up. In other words, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because we are a product of the environment that we're in. 
Whoever you hang out with is who you're going to be like. And, it, and it's also where we form habits. The habits of those around you, maybe the family you grew up in, the business that you're in, wherever you spend most of your time, you're forming habits. You're forming habits. How many of you have served in the military before? Did you learn any habits in the military? Amen. I'll never forget my brother came back from boot camp and my mom walked into his room. Now, my brother was the one growing up that didn't want to get up in the morning, okay? I, I'm an early morning guy, not my brother. She walked in one morning like at 5 a.m. because she heard something down the hall. He had just come back from boot camp. He was sitting on the end of his bed polishing his shoes at like 5 in the morning. She was like, where have you been all my life? You know what I mean? <laughs> Very organized. Why? He had been in that environment, and that environment taught him a new set of habits. That can be positive, or that can be negative. And so that's how these habits are. We blame, now, now, I love this. Sometimes, you know, you've got people that have different habits. Um, I heard this story about a lady that she grew up, and her mom had a ham. You know what a ham is that you cook in the oven? I, I've heard of these. And, and they've got these hams, and, and growing up, this lady's mom always cut off like three or four inches of the ham. Just one, one side of it, she would always cut it off, put it in the oven. Well, when she got older, and she got married, they were, they were getting ready to have Easter dinner or whatever it was, and she would do that, and for years, she would just do that. And one day, her husband goes in and goes, what? Why do you cut off the end of the ham? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. She goes, that's what my mom taught me to do. And, and they got in this argument because he couldn't understand why she was cutting off this nice piece of ham. And she said, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to call my mom, and we're going to find out right now. So they called the mom, put her on speakerphone, said, Mom, we're having this argument about why we cut off the end of the ham, and I'm not really sure why we do it, but you did it, and, and I just learned to do it that way. Why do we do that? And the mom starts laughing hysterically. She says, what's so funny? You know, we're having this argument. Why is that so funny? She said, the reason I cut off the end of the ham is our oven was too small for the whole ham. <laughs> there wasn't this magical thing that happened. It wasn't the bad end of the ham. It was, it was that the oven was too small. But here's the deal. She had learned that habit over and over again, and now she was doing it in her own life, and it had no, there was no reason to do it. And that's the way our habits are. Sometimes we just do things we don't even know why we do them. You know, I love this excuse, and I hear this a lot. You know, somebody will come in, and they'll have a temper problem. And I'll say, man, you have a temper problem. I have a temper problem. Why do you have a temper problem? I'm Irish. I'm like, dude, you're a redneck. You're not Irish. <laughs> but, but they say, well, my ancestors came over on the boat, and they all had bad tempers. I'm like, that is the sorriest excuse in the world. I mean, my ancestry is German. You don't see me run around trying to take over the world. <laughs> I mean, why do we do that? We do that kind of stuff. We say the craziest stuff. We blame our habits on other people. Well, that's how my daddy did it. So if your daddy ran off a cliff, would you? You know, how many moms have said, you know, you talk to your kids, all my, all my friends are going, all my friends are doing it. And the, the, the old adage that moms say is, well, if all your friends ran off the cliff, would you follow them? You remember that? Did you ever hear that growing up? You can't blame your habits on other people. Ultimately, it comes down to your decisions. But unchecked habits are there. Look at uh, Romans 8, chapter, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, and the New Living Translation says this, And because you belong to him, Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In other words, 
I don't care what your ancestry is. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the power of Christ, the power of the Spirit of God living in you frees you from all that past. So the excuse of that's how everybody else doesn't work anymore. When Jesus is in here, when Jesus is living inside of you, he can free you from that past. The bad habits that you have, God wants to help you. But the reality is you have to go to him and ask for the help. Here's the second blank. Second blank. So the first one is unchecked habits. That gets us into trouble. The second blank is unhealthy perspective. Unhealthy perspective. And that's where our experiences change the way we see things. And we look at life through our experiences. Let me give you an example. These glasses, a few weeks ago, Ronnie and I were out doing something, and and he didn't want these glasses anymore, so he gave them to me. These are Ronnie Donahoe glasses, sunglasses. I'm going to put them on eBay, no telling what I can get. Worn by Ronnie. So anyway, Ronnie gave me these glasses, and here's the cool thing. You put these sunglasses on, and, and it changes your perspective. And that's the way life is. See, what happens is we all start off, you know, seeing life however we see it, and then these things happen to us. These experiences happen to us. Maybe as a kid, your parents got divorced. And and now you see things through the lens of divorce. Or maybe you were abused as a child. or, Or maybe your spouse left you. Or maybe you were in a bad accident. Or whatever the situation is, something happened to you in life. And what happens is now your perspective is different because you see everything through the perspective of these glasses. And the problem is, Most of the time, that perspective is not right. But here's the good news. Here's how God sees you. God sees you through the perspective that Jesus died for you, and he sees you through the blood of Christ. So when he sees you, he sees you as you should be, not maybe like how you're acting. But our experiences change us. Our experiences make us look through these glasses. Look at uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 44. Now the betrayer, okay, we know who the betrayer was, that's Judas, had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Let me just set up the story. You remember when Judas betrayed Jesus, he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. But I want you to understand something, think think about this. Judas was one of the disciples, he was one of the guys that was close to Jesus. What happened that changed his perspective? What happened that made him see Jesus differently? Something happened. Something happened inside of him. And now he made a decision to betray the Son of God. And that's what happens in our lives. Our experiences sometimes force us to make bad decisions because we see things wrongly. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2 says this, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. Here's the third blank. Having unrealistic expectations. And then I want you to put in parentheses out beside that, of others. Of others. Having unrealistic expectations of others. Let me tell you something. It is very difficult to be around people that have unrealistic expectations of other people. And as a leader, I run into that a lot, where I expect people to do something. A lot of time, I just intrinsically expect people to know stuff that they shouldn't know. But I think they should know that. So I have this unrealistic expectation of them. 
Here's the problem with having unrealistic expectations of people. You can suck the life out of people if you have unrealistic expectations of them. If you expect more of someone than they can give, you're going to be disappointed in them, and you're going to suck the life out of that person. Wow, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Did anybody, any of you grow up with somebody that had unrealistic expectations for your life? Maybe they wanted you to, to be the president of the United States. And you just wanted to do whatever else. And, and they had these expectations on you. Or, or maybe they expected you to athletically be better than you were. Or maybe they expected you to make straight A's. Or, or maybe there was this expectation that was unrealistic. And you lived with this gap in your life. You lived with this hole in your life because you never felt like you measured up. Anybody relate to that? That's hard, isn't it? That's a hard way to live. I'll tell you what the answer is. Romans 10, 11. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not be disappointed. You need to change your expectations. Here's the deal, guys. Set your expectations on God. Set your expectation on God's word. And get your expectations off of people all the time. And I'm going to tell you why. Because people are going to fail you. It's going to happen. And if you're counting on people fulfilling the needs that you have in your life, you're going to be a miserable person. You say, Pastor Chris, that sounds so harsh. I'm sorry it sounds harsh, but it's true. I don't mean you shouldn't have expectations of people doing things. There needs to be expectations. But here's the thing. They need to be realistic expectations. And you need to find out every one of us is different. Every one of us is wired different by design. Each one of us has certain gifts and abilities. And you have to realize as individuals, as married couples, as parents, that you have to have the right expectations of those around you. But you can always count on God to fulfill his word. People will let you down, and most of the time they won't mean to. I let people down. I don't want to, and I don't mean to, and it bothers me when I do. But I'm human too. And that's not an excuse, but it is a truth. And we have to learn to have realistic expectations of those that are around us. So how do we, how do we move out of this? How do we get to where we're not just surviving, but we're thriving? Well, there's four things we're going to cover real quick, and they're going to help you. Remember, keep up with these notes, put them in a folder. And use these. Whenever you run into these situations, go back to your notebook. Pull these things out. They'll always help you. Here's number one. Here's how you do more than just survive. Are you ready for this? Here are the answers. Number one, believe that God can do a miracle. Believe that God can do a miracle. How many of you have had God do a miracle in your life in any situation? Believe, that's, that's where we have to start. We have to recognize, we have to believe that God can do a miracle. Listen to this. Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 38. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The rest of the story is Jesus did. Jesus healed him. And he could see again. But he believed. You have to believe that God can do a miracle. You have to believe that. Number two. This is very important. So number one is believe that God can do a miracle. Number two. You need to recognize that you were made for relationships. 
You need to recognize that you are made for relationships. We are not made to be alone. We're not made to be alone. Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 said, The Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. Here was Adam by himself in the garden watching ESPN or whatever he was doing. And he was lonely and God realized that he, he wasn't made to be alone. And some of you are saying, well, well, what if I'm not supposed to be married? This isn't talking about just marriage relationships. This isn't talking just about that. That's one of them. But you're also made to have friendships. And you're also made to go through life with a group of other people. One of the reasons that we're starting our life groups here before too long is that God intended for discipleship and, a re- and relationship to take place in small groups. And I can honor, when I speak about this one, I get very passionate, and I'll tell you why. Because I have been a lone wolf for a lot of my life. As, long, as much, and I, some of you are probably going, no way. As, I love people. I'm energized by people. But I'm also one of those guys that I like to be by myself. I'll get out and go for a walk. I can spend all day in a deer stand and be fine. You know, I I like being by myself. And and as a leader, one of the things that would happen when I would face pressures or different challenges would come, I have a tendency to withdraw. And a lot of times when I go through challenges, I want to do that. I want to, I want to pull away from everybody. And, and, and here's the deal. Some of that's okay because you need to spend time with God. But here's the other reality. You weren't made to do this by yourself. You are not complete by design. How many of you like puzzles? I hate puzzles. I'm like, why buy it broken up? Just give me the whole thing. I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not good at that. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I can work on something, and when I get done, there's like four or five bolts left over. I'm like, it's all good. These are extras. You know, I mean, that, that's how I am. I, I have what you call a, uh, what, what is my personality? Urgent. I have an urgent personality. In other words, I want things done the way I want them done, and I want them done yesterday. Sometimes I'm a joy to be around. <laughs> but... But the reality is I'm not very patient, and, and, and I've had to learn that, that I'm incomplete by design, and I need people around me that are more detailed, like Trisha and most of the guys that are my deacons. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not patient that way. And God makes us where we need other people. So if you're a lone wolf, hey, I'm a lone wolf, I like to do my own thing, and you think that's cool? You're kidding yourself. Because you are made for relationship with other people by design. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 39 says this. Teacher, they're talking to Jesus, and they said, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's what's interesting, what's implied about that statement. You actually have to have a relationship with people to love them. You can't love people you're not around. And we are designed that way. We need each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Turn to the other side and say, you need me. (laughs) It's true. We need each other. Here's number three. Number three. Build on the little things. Build on the little things. In other words, you need to learn to see the best in people. 
Let's say you have a certain expectation about an individual. They don't meet your expectation. Instead of focusing on the negative things, why don't you focus on the positive things? How about that? See, it's so easy for us to focus on what's wrong with people instead of focusing on what's right with people. And I know, again, as a leader, I'm constantly trying to fix things. I'm, I'm, I've almost got these antennas all over there, invisible, all over my body that are, that are trying to find problems and fix them. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll counsel with people, and these people will come into my office, and I'm going, okay, I've got to figure out what's wrong because I've got to fix them. And the truth is, Sometimes we may have challenges in our life, but God has made us to have so many great things about us, and we need to learn to focus on the positives. And for some of you, that's not easy. You know, maybe with your children, you have such high expectations of them that it's hard for you to compliment them when they do so well in so many things. And you want to help them, but you focus on the things that are wrong instead of on the things that are right. Think about that. You know what I'm talking about. You need to reach out and compliment those around you. And don't do it this way. Go, look, I know you stink at all this, but you're really good over here. I mean, that's not the right way. <laughs> you know, I know you're a horrible this, but boy, you're okay at this. Now, focus on things like that and say, you know what I've noticed about you? You're really good at this, 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 and this. That will make somebody's day. That'll make somebody's day. And, and you need to learn to do that. Focus on the positives with people. And here's how you keep it going. You keep it going with encouragement. Encourage those around you. Encourage those around you. I love that. I, I love to encourage people. I love to be encouraged. And, and people, people stand around you going, you can do it. You can make it. I know you're not good at these things, but look, we're going to get better at them, and you can do it. Don't beat people down. That never works. Have you ever beat somebody up and they were better? No. You know, I'm going to verbally abuse you, and you're going to be a better person. Really? Psycho. That doesn't work. You have to encourage people. You have to lift them up and help them see a better way. And here's the, here's the last part of that. Whatever it is, whatever you find in that person, whatever situations you find there, just do it. Just do it. Don't wait for perfect situations. Maybe some of you are, are um, well, you've heard this term. Talk is cheap. Anybody ever heard that? Talk is cheap. The Bible actually says this too. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says this. Let us stop just saying that we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. I mean, maybe you've heard this before. Uh, Husband-wife situation or whatever. And, and, and maybe the wife says to the husband, you don't show the kids that you love them enough. And the husband says, I sure love them. I told them I did when they were born. I heard that old joke, the farmer and his wife, you know, and they're, they're talking to each other. And, and, sh and she said, you know, you never say you love me anymore. He said, I told you at the altar. I mean, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> Does that work? Not so much. <laughs> we have to show people by our actions. It's not enough just to say that you love people. You have to show them that you love them. And also, this is a little side note that's not in here. You need to learn to check your motives when you do these things. 
Maybe you're gonna, you, need to, you know you need to talk to somebody and really encourage them. And maybe you go to somebody that, that you're having a conflict with and you're praying for them and you're saying, you know, hey, guess what? Um, you know, I just want you to know that, that I love you. And when you say that, don't go, I love you, and then wait for a response. Why? Your motives are wrong. Your motives are wrong. If you're going to somebody expecting something back from them, then your motives are wrong, and it doesn't work that way. You have to learn to love and serve people expecting nothing in return. And let me tell you the benefit of serving people like that. If you expect nothing back from someone when you serve them, you won't be disappointed. That is huge. I'm going to say it again. If you love and serve someone and you expect nothing in return, you will not be disappointed. I know people in my life, friends, that, that when they do something for me, I'm always kind of wondering what their angle is. What are they trying to get? What do you want? You know, and, 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 and it doesn't work that way. You know, I remember in college, I used to call my dad. My, my dad worked in Dallas. We had the, the ranch down in Waxahachie. He worked in Dallas, and I was at North Texas, which is about 45 minutes north of him. And as a college student, I had lots of money. <laughs> Not so much. And during the week, I would call my dad, hey, dad, what's going on? What's happening? He got to, here's how he would answer the phone. How much do you need? And I go, dad, can't a son call his father? I remember doing this. Can't I just call you to tell you how much I love? He goes, how much do you need? I got to go. 30 bucks, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how many times I did that. But where I'd be in a situation. But he knew my motives weren't really right, were they? And then now I just call him to see how he's doing. It's a whole different relationship. Because it's not what I can get from him anymore. Just because I want to be around him and talk to him. So don't expect so much from people. Just love them. It's what Jesus did. He just loved people. He served people. And then he wasn't disappointed when we didn't live up to some expectation that, that we have on ourselves. Amen? Amen. That's, that's big. Y'all need to remember that. Here's another thing when we talk about serving people or loving people, changing our surviving to thriving mentality. This is not an emotional thing. It's not about emotions. You know, some of you, I could talk to you, and maybe you have a, a challenge with a family member or or maybe it's a distant family member, or maybe you have a challenge with someone at work, and I would counsel you, you know what? You need to talk to that person. You need to forgive this person. You need to let this person know whatever the situation is, but you need to take the first step. And invariably, about 50% of the time, people will say to me, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing that. In other words, emotionally, I, I'm not geared to do this. I don't want to because I don't feel like it. I'm going to wait until I feel like it. How many of you have teenagers? Clean your room. I don't. Does it matter? Clean your room because I said so. <laughs> I don't care if you feel like it or not. The reality is, here's the good news for you. You don't have to feel like forgiving someone to forgive them. You don't have to feel it. Because here's what I've learned, and you're, you need to write this down. Your feelings, your emotions will follow your actions. 
Your emotions will follow your actions. Sometimes you just have to do things because it's the right thing to do, and your emotions will follow that. They will come later. So don't expect for God to just pour this lovey dust, powder dust on you about certain people, and you just love everyone. That's crazy. God expects us to step out in faith. And what happens is, here's what I've learned. I've seen this in my own life. If I'll begin to serve people and love people, the feelings for those people will come. But it usually doesn't start with emotion. It usually starts with action. Take a step, amen? I heard a story this week. I was down in Conway visiting with our our CPA. And that's always fun, right? Going to your accounting office. One of my favorite things to do. But actually, I really like this guy. He's a Christian. He's a Dave Ramsey guy. And, and we were having a good investment. And, he, and we just got off on this different topic. And, and uh, he said, man, i got to tell you a really cool story. I said, okay. He said, I had a guy come in my office about, a, I guess, a year and a half, two years ago. And he walked into my office, and he owns his own business. And he was getting pressure from some investors in his community to get involved in this investment. But to get involved in the investment, he would have to take out a line of credit on his house and mortgage his house for like another 20 years or something. And he said, man, he was asking the CPA for advice. He said, what should I do? And the CPA, they talked about it and prayed about it. And he said, you know what the Bible says? That, you know, that that sometimes you can get in over your head, as you know, Financial Peace University, those of you been through it. And he said, man, I'm praying about this. I really don't think you should. He said, you know what I think you should do? I think you should take the money that you're planning on investing over time and pay your house off early. Guy said, really? He said, yeah. He said, as your business is blessed, I think you ought to take that extra money, pay your house off. So he did that. This guy had like a 10-year note on his house. Here's what happened. In 16 months, he paid his house off. God blessed his business. He took that extra money that he would have to, had to pay this investment group, and he paid himself and paid the house off. And he said recently, he said, Chris, he walked into my office with his mortgage paid off. He said, that guy was the most peaceful-looking guy I've ever seen in my life. I said, really? He goes, you wouldn't believe what this guy looked like. He was so peaceful. But if he would have followed his emotions, he would have gone and done this deal and probably gotten himself into trouble. Anybody ever done a deal that you got yourself in trouble over? (laughs) This week? (laughs) But instead of doing that, he applied not his emotions, his actions, and what happened is emotions followed, and he benefited from that. We have to learn to do that. Do it because it's the right thing to do, and the emotions will follow. And here's the, here's the final point. Here's my final point. Let God love you. That sounds so simple. What do you mean, let God love me? No, you have to learn to let God love you. Many years ago, probably it's been 12, 13 years ago, Trish and I were having challenges in our marriage. I know it's hard to believe that 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 could happen, as perfect as I am. No, I'm serious. No, I'm kidding. But but we were having challenges. This has been about 12 years ago, and and, and I sat down one day, and and I decided that I was going to talk to God about this challenge that we were having, and I did. I sat out. I remember sitting out on the back porch, and I started talking to God, and I said, God, she's this, and she's this, and she's this, and I'm having this conversation with him. And I kid you not, In the middle of the conversation, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and says, let's talk about you for a little bit. I'm not kidding, y'all. 
And I went, I mean, I'm sure if somebody watched me, they'd have seen me visibly do that. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not the problem. She's the problem. Anybody ever had somebody like that in your life? It's not me. It's them. It's anybody else but me. And God began to speak to me. And he said, you know what? We're not going to worry about her. Let's focus on you. And here's what I said, and it's probably the smartest thing I've ever said in my whole life. Okay. And here's what happened. In the course of the next few months, I stopped being concerned about what I perceived to be Trisha's problems. And I began to focus on my own life. And God began to deal with her in the same way about the things she was dealing with. And it transformed our marriage in like four months. Because instead of me having these unrealistic expectations, and instead of me pointing the finger at everybody else's faults, I began to realize that God loved me and he wanted to work on me. And it changed me. Changed everything about me. Changed me at work. I began to change the way I looked at people. I began to look at all these things differently. And the reason is is because I said that one word that is so challenging. Okay. And I surrendered to God and I allowed him to have this relationship and it impacted every other relationship that I have in my life. But I had to get to the place where I let God love me and work on me. Some of you need to do that. If you don't, as a matter of fact, if you don't walk away from anything else today, that's what you need to walk away with. Don't worry about everybody else around you. Don't worry about, is he doing the right thing? Is she doing the right thing? Are the kids doing the right thing? Is my boss doing the right thing? No, 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 let's, let's stop that. And say, you know what, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. You work on my life. You'll be amazed at how much better the people around you become because you get your heart right. It'll change everything. And honestly, that's probably the reason he wanted me to preach this message today. Stop pointing fingers. Let God in here. Surrender. Lord, I surrender all. Work on me. Not the kids, not Trisha, not my board, not the church. Lord, work on my life. Change me. Amen? God can change your expectations, and he can match them with your reality. God can do that, and he wants to. And it can be better than you ever imagined. See, here's the thing, y'all. The Lord wants you to have a good life. God wants to bless you. He wants your life to be amazing. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The translation is overflowing to the full. God wants you to have a good life. God does not want you to be miserable. God wants you to enjoy your life. But the only way that happens, there's only one way. You have to surrender everything to him. And as you do that, he'll change you from the inside out. And you know why I know it works? Because he did it in me. I can stand up here today and I'm a product of that. I am not perfect. Amen. We all know that. But I'll tell you what I do know is that God, if I'll give him everything, he will change me. And that's what we want at the end of the day. Amen. Amen. Psalms 145 verse 9 says this. The Lord is good to everyone. Everyone say everyone. 
The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. And I know this message is for for some folks that are out here today. I know it ministered to me. And Lord, I pray today that, that you would help each one of us search our hearts. Help us all look at ourselves. And instead of looking at those around us, maybe we have un, unrealistic expectations of our spouse or of our kids or of our, of our parents or of our coworkers or our boss or whatever. We're going to stop that. And right now, Lord, we're going we're gonna to stop I want everybody, I want everybody to put your hand on your heart this morning. And if you mean this, I want you to say this. If you mean it, Lord Jesus, today, I look at myself and I see who I am. I see all my faults all my challenges. And today, I surrender them to you. Lord Jesus, come inside of me. Make me the person you want me to be. Amen. That was you today, and you meant that. He will do that. He's done that in me. Let's keep our heads bowed. If you're here today, it's the most important thing we do every week. If you're here today and, and God did this message for you, and you say, Pastor, I heard, I've heard what you've said, but I've never received Jesus as my Savior. I, he's not my Lord. I've never invited Him in. But today I want to do that. I want to receive Him as my Savior. I, I want to lay, lay my life down for Him. If that's you today, Nobody's looking around. We're not here to embarrass you. Just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I want to receive Jesus. Amen. See that hand. Amen. Or maybe you're here today. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I've received Jesus. But you know what? The truth is, I'm not walking with him. I'm out doing my own thing and it hasn't been working out for me. And my expectations and my reality are totally different. And I know, I feel him calling me back home today. I feel him drawing me back in. I want to rededicate my life to him today. If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. 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 Praise God. I'll tell you, we're going to do one more thing. If that's you this morning or you're here and you've got a need, there, there's something going on in your life and you just want some people to agree with you, I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come forward. You know, like I've said this morning, God created us not to do life alone. God created us for relationships with other people. So if you're here today and, and you raised your hand for salvation or rededication or, or you've just got a need and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, now's the time. Just come forward. Pastor, that's me today. I want to just come forward and we're just going to pray with you, whatever your needs are. Amen. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. We're a family here. And if you're out there and you don't have a need, but I want you to pray for those that are up here. Pray for the 
people that are making big decisions today. Amen? Amen. Just take a minute and stay in God's presence. Thank you, Lord. Amen. There's some of you here that I really feel like God wants me to just say this to you. This is such a big deal. Some of you need to look at the people that you have around you. And and you need to realize that the people that you're hanging out with are going to determine where you go. I said that earlier, and that's the truth. And some of you need to look at some of the relationships that you have right now. And you need to determine if you need to be in those relationships anymore. Because they're bringing you down. You need to really look at that and really examine some of the people that are in your life and do you need to have them in your life or not because they're going to determine your future. And that can be a hard thing. Sometimes you have to break off relationships. The other part of that equation, though, is you need to reach out and get around some people that you need to be around. The Bible says if you want to be a friend, show yourself friendly. And some of you have been waiting for people to approach you And that's not happened, and and today I want to exhort you that God's saying you need to step out. You need to step out and show yourself friendly. You need to reach out to people. Do you receive that today? That's for some of you today, amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for these people that are here today, Lord. I thank you for each life that's represented. Lord, your word is true, and it never returns void. And I pray today that these seeds that you've planted in our lives we would use, Father. Help us change from the inside out as we surrender to you. Let's all stand this morning.
There are a number of people today that raise their hand for salvation or rededication. So I want, the, want, want us to all do this together. Buddy, again, put your hand on your heart, please. Let's all say this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Today, I surrender my heart to you. Today, I rededicate my life to you. Thank you for loving me. Change me from the inside out. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. All right, well, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to be nice to people. Can you do that? I want you to take some opportunities this week to bless people in unexpected ways, okay? I want you, when you're at the grocery store, you know, I want you to say nice things to people. Maybe buy somebody's groceries for them this week. Amen? Maybe this week when you're at the restaurant, buy somebody's meal for them. Maybe if you're at the gas station and you're getting ready to check out and you see somebody getting gas, maybe pay for some of their gas. Maybe somebody will do it for you. (laughs) But here's why I want you to begin to do these things. Random acts of kindness, y'all. Random acts of kindness. Uh, This week, Dwayne, Dwayne, raise your hand up over here. Dwayne's father passed away this week. And we, want to, we need to pray for him. Father, we just thank you. Lord, for Dwayne, we just pray that you would bless him and comfort him. Father, I thank you that you're the God of all comfort and peace. Be with him and bless him. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you as you go this week. We'll see you tonight. Your faithfulness, oh.